Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It depicts real archaeology. It's raining, it's cold, it's wet. People argue. So it's just, it's not an Indianology, it's not glamorising it. It's, it's, it's what, literally, that is what I remember on an archaeological dig, what it was like. If it was maybe a little bit leaner and didn't have those weird age choices, I think it might tell its story a bit better. Some of the lines are really funny. CJ, I think his name is. Kevin Scott, isn't it? He says to Basil, he said, you know, it's got to be in the British Museum. Got to persuade her. And Basil's like, you're asking me? He said, do you want some lemon drizzle cake? <laughs> like, it's just so It's good. quite refreshing. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Flixwatch Podcast today. I'm joined by Liz. Hello. Michelle. Hi. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about The Dig. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Liz and Michelle. Over to you please Michelle to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Well hi, thank you so much for having me on um, along with Liz. Uh, I am a voice actor by trade, that's what I actually get paid for. Um, been a voice actor for about 16 years now. Most of my clients uh, abroad do a lot of corporate work, audiobooks, um, narrations, and so on. And I am the co-host. I'm one half of Two Women Chatting. And we started our podcast last year. It came from uh, outside talking in the garden when I met her as a new neighbour. And it kind of developed into this sort of it's it's a podcast for midlife women, really, and empty nesters. And we both found ourselves to be in the same position and uh, had lots of chats in the garden. We eventually moved inside when when conditions allowed through COVID and we, we sort of had our podcast sofa. And <laughs> it's been a year of such fun and such education and uh, depth. And it's our passion project has sort of become a lot more. We're now downloaded in 44 countries and we get incredible feedback from our listeners because we touch on topics that I think are very relevant 
to us and to our family and our friends. And it's not all menopause related. Uh, that is important, but it is not all menopause. Um, but we talk about coercion, late diagnosis, ADHD, um, modern slavery, all kinds of things. So, so and you guys, so you, you're neighbours then by the fact you, you met yeah, in the garden. So yes, we okay. are neighbours. Yeah, Liz is my friendly neighbour who after I'd moved in about a week or so, she came up and started chatting to me and realised I always kept a bottle of wine in the fridge and we became firm friends. <laughs> Is that the first thing you check, Liz? Do you have wine and is it available yeah, for me to yeah. consume? Yeah, and we both had dogs and we were within easy access of each other's houses. So, sure. yeah, match made in heaven, really. Uh, is anything else you want to add to that? Give us, you know, your postcode, Liz. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. We're south, I suppose that's the only way we're going to say. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's A-OK. That's A-OK. Uh, well, yeah, I listened to a couple of episodes, including Anthea Turner um, talking about, I think she had, she was talking about her book, but also the, you know, the different steps that she's gone through, um, HRT, for, for example. So it's, it's obviously, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's always good to hear different perspectives. And that's why podcasting is great because I tell you what that's been a really it. yeah that's been a really fun part this year that we started off sort of nervous I mean we are completely unknown midlife women and we gradually stalked people and gradually got <laughs> you know really good names we started off with Jenny Seagrove and then Anthea Turner agreed to come on and you know now when we contact people they generally say yes, which has come as this delightful surprise to both of us that these experts and celebrities are willing to take a bit of a leap of faith and mm -hmm. talk about things that are really interesting, whether it's, you know, whether it's their book or a topic that they're involved with. You know, we're talking to um, Linda Magistris tomorrow, actually, about grief. And we, we do try and delve a little deep, It's but we also try and find a sense of humour about almost every topic where relevant that we can so we really do have a good laugh don't we liz we do <laughs> <laughs> and you said mostly there, we Michelle... have a good laugh at liz's expense actually yeah, that's I was the best say, bit nobody is. <laughs> you said there about delving deep uh michelle and that does segue us to the film which you've chosen liz uh which is the dig can you tell us first of all why you chose it everyone's shaking their heads guys at me of that that tenuous segue but i took it i took it i'm sorry um, <laughs> i think it's good <laughs> uh, tell us first of all why it shows and then we'll give you I'll give you a timer in which you'll have 60 seconds or less or fewer to give us a synopsis I chose to dig because I studied archaeology at university oh wow yep and it, I'm just, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why it's the first film I've ever seen that depicts archaeology as I remember it um, basically the film reimagines the excavations of the most famous archaeological discovery in England okay Sutton Hoo in Suffolk Oh, sorry, you're going to into the synopsis. I'm going to get the timer. One second. Just one second. That's a bit short. <laughs> <laughs> and the timer starts now. Okay. Well, the film, it reimagines the excavations of the famous archaeological discovery in England at Sutton Hoo in Suffolk, just before the outbreak of World War II. Kerry Mulligan plays widow Edith Pretty, who is curious about what lays beneath the earth mounds of her property and hires a local excavator, Basil Brown, played by Ray Fiennes, to excavate them. When he un uncovers the outline of a ship, archaeologists from Cambridge descend on the site, and the film follows the stories of the main characters and the tensions between them. In particular, it focuses on the characters of Edith and Basil and the young archaeologist Peggy Piggott, 
and Edith's cousin, Rory. Lily James plays Peggy, who is the aunt of John Preston, author of the novel that is the film is adapted. Okay. It takes a few liberties with the truth, but it's inspired by real events and people. Lovely. Very nice. And I hate doing that. <laughs> it's difficult. It is difficult. So, Michelle, have you seen it before? Have you heard of The Dig before? Have you seen the film? I have seen it before and I rewatched it, actually, obviously, to try and, you know, get up to get up to speed with the topics that it covers. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, I, I think it's a really excellent uh, film, underrated by a lot of critics, actually. I was going to say it is underrated. It came out on Netflix. I think it went straight to Netflix. So it's one of those kind of hidden ones whereby I, I don't think if it wasn't for the cast... And we'll talk about the cast here soon with Karen Mulligan, Ray Fiennes, Johnny Flynn, Lily James. There's a couple of other people in there who thought quite... Ben Chaplin. Ben Chaplin, yeah. But the cast there, the cast there does does really stand out. And I think it does elevate the story in the film. Um, and this is a story I knew nothing about. So, I mean, just hand back to yourself, Liz, about the archaeology side of things. First of all, did you know the story about the Sutton Who uncoverings um, as an archaeology student? And tell us a bit about how... Um, You've seen archaeology represented in in TV and film, if it isn't Time Team or Indiana Jones. I was going to say, the point about (laughs) this film is it actually, one, I had to study Sutton Who was one of the first uh, topics or areas I had to study. And I'll be honest, it was a bit boring when I was 18 studying it. Um, But years (laughs) later, you know, I started reading up and it is it is amazing what, what happened there. But I think why I like the film is it depicts, as I said, real archaeology. It's raining, it's cold, it's wet. You know, people argue <laughs> that happens. So it's just, it's not an Indiana, it's not glamorising it. It's its its what, are, literally, that is what I remember on an archaeological dig, what it was like. So how long would so you be out there on a, on, a, on a study trip? How long would you be in a, in, a, in a place? And what, how to beg the question, what was the most interesting thing, quotes unquote, that you found? <laughs> Me, not a lot. <laughs> uh, I didn't pursue archaeology as a career. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't find anything. I went into the I went into the events business, but um, no, it, it's really good fun. But you have to really be passionate and patient, mm. and that's not me. I might be passionate, but I'm not patient. It, you have to be there. For, it's literally days and days, sort of just uh, feeling away with the the soil, which it, which which they talk about. You know how he feels the soil and understands it. I didn't get that. I just um, you just to just charge my way through, get it over and done with, and got told off for it but it, it's it you know it's it's just you have to be as i said very passionate about archaeology um i studied ancient history as well which i was interested in um so but but i but i i do i do love you know watching that film brought it all back to me it's interesting that the did the ancient history kind of tie in with the archaeology um at all or was it kind of two different parts of the brain well the first the first question they or essay i had to write when i was studying was is archaeology science or an art and I'd gone, well, obviously an art, but it's actually very scientific archaeology, even back in the 80s. And I think the ancient history, I, I probably was more interested in even when I started. Mm. I thought I was going to be going to, you know, Greece, Italy, Egypt, nice hot places. I went to Hadrian's Wall, not quite the same <laughs> in Scotland. <laughs> a little bit chilly, a little bit wet and uh, wasn't for me. But that's what you saw in the film. You had, you know, boiling hot weather, freezing cold weather raining you had to be out in the middle of the night covering up the site with the with the, the um tarpauling that was all true um and i and all i discovered was a flint <laughs> at least you found something <laughs> yeah true true 
but 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 you know but i was saying that represents uh, it does the film does represent um archaeology to me at least and what about yourself honey had you seen this before yeah, so I, I think I probably saw this when it came onto Netflix as we were still in um in lockdown style and um it was one of those that people were talking about and it was like, Oh, we might as well watch it. Well I think we were all thrilled to get some new material, weren't we? Because at that time there weren't many films being made. No. And when they did crop up, it's like, Oh, thank goodness, there's a new film to watch. We try to say that nobody watched it otherwise. I, th- I think that that's <laughs> my prob- passion. Probably it. The, the premise. The premise is not really, not really kind of like my um, my usual go to film. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I think it's a fine film, but I think that it really does kind of like push its two two hour run length a bit. I think they managed mm. to stretch out something, and I think for me, I probably would have liked to have seen more more of them digging up and a bit more understanding of what they dug up and and what it was because not knowing so much about that period or like what it was they were digging up or kind of the significance of it I was a bit like oh let's dig in something up I'm glad you said that when he pulled out that coin for example and um this is Basil Brown saying oh this is a blood blah blood blah coin and the and the amount said no it's not and then he's like oh yes it is this means it's Anglo-Saxon and I was like I mm, what is that it's good just happened is that in the last five minutes. should we but, yeah, yeah. it was the big that was the mistake everyone seems super happy with the fact it's Anglo-Saxon rather than Viking I was just like well it's still hundreds of years old I'm sure um but it was you know I I was kind of caught up in the excitement of the of it and there was there was a fair bit of romance in the kind of uncovering a, a gold thing but I think like Helen could like Helen said I think they could have made a bit more about why that's interesting like a, yeah, they- a like the Iron River for example why is that a, a, an interesting point uh you know we know who went to Ipswich Museum at the moment's notice to say I found a river. So it must, we knew it was kind of important, but also we didn't know why that, what the significance of it was. So I think things like that would have been quite nice to, to kind of eat out and, and tease out a bit more. I agree. That, that was my well, one of my complaints is they, they played on the characters and it, that, that bit isn't true about the romance between Peggy and Rory. He didn't exist. <laughs> right. The, the photographers are actually women in, 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 in real life that, you know, okay. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I was shouting out that, you know, why do they not explain what the reason for this? It, basically, it was explaining because it was Anglo-Saxon. It was it was saying that, that uh, England wasn't in the Dark Ages uh, as, as long as they thought, you know, after the Romans came, it meant the Anglo-Saxons were civilised and could make art and create stuff like that. that that's really the, the basis of it. They should have had you as an advisor and then you could have gone, hang on, <laughs> we need to explain this. Yeah, just we ex- need to give a bit of context. Just carry the threads. Carry the thread. Yeah. Let people let people uh, on board. Yeah, I was quite. I was interested in that. So it's interesting to see the the, the romance wasn't wasn't there, um, especially as it kind of comes out of a of what seems like a closeted relationship um, that that kind of goes awry and or, or you know meets a natural end, which is something which I, which I thought was really quite interesting to present at the cusp of World War Two those kind of storylines we wouldn't have heard of more that, that frequently, apart from maybe uh, Alan Turing and his side of things. So I thought I was like, Oh, I wonder if that is an element of truth when you just, you just kind of not that. that way. Unfortunately. No, but, but what, what is interesting is that it, there was two comments that I, I picked up on. Maybe it's just cause I, I'm that type of person because of my mother as well about university. Uh, Edith wasn't allowed to go to university because her father said no, because she was a mm. woman. And Basil couldn't go to university because he came from the wrong background. 
So yeah. it is quite a, dis- you know, a real discrimination in those days. And, you know, he wasn't a professional archaeologist, whilst, you know, the big books that came down from Cambridge were. So it was real snobbishness and, and elitism in those days. You know, in my day, it was very elitist. Um, and and that that did, sh- that's, I guess that's why, again, I like the film, because it, it did depict what I experienced as, you know, the little girl on site, bit the same as Peggy. She was young. She, you know, she was experienced archaeologist when she started, when she was on that dig. She wasn't a brand new, you know, newlywed. And it, I think what I liked about how the story is played in this, at least, was that um, Pretty did defend Basil Brown, you know, and wanted him to be there, even though the, the dig had kind of... A, grown bigger than she thought it was going to be or unexpectedly and but she still fought for Basil and she did at least and as the story says want him to be credited whether uh, even though that didn't happen um as she wanted it to happen um and I did my in my in my cursory bit of research I, I saw that I mean Karen Mulligan is presented as being like maybe late 30s early 40s but in in real life, she was in she was late fifties, and she had Robert when she was like her late forties, uh, which I think is quite late for that. Well, for the pre-war Britain. So I thought that was when I was thinking about, it, I was like, I really like Carrie Mulligan, but I think it would have been interesting to present to have a different actor take another role and just represent that a bit more truthfully, I guess. Yeah, I wonder why they made that casting choice. Was it because they wanted the star name in Carrie Mulligan or a younger person that might appeal to a younger um, audience or or what it was? Because there's plenty of older actresses that could have taken that part and been brilliant in it. Mm. Nicole Kidman was supposedly meant to do it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but she couldn't take the part. She was busy. Yeah, that's what that's what I, I I'd heard because Kerry Mulligan is too young. I mean, she's a great actress, but you know, far too young. And, and also, that's not the only one. Um, Ray Fiennes as well. Um, Brown was fifty, so he was younger than Pretty, and Ray Fiennes is fifty-eight. So there's kind of like a weird thing going on there. And also, Stuart and Peggy, their ages are quite different as well. Because Stuart was 29 and Peggy was 27, so they were quite close. But in the film, Ben Chaplin is like 51 and Lily is 31. So there's there's all the way through the casting, there's like super weird age choices. And I think that takes away a little bit of the story because I think part of the story is that there's this woman in her 50s who makes this discovery and it just kind of feels like that is a story that needs to be told rather than we're kind of watching mm. it and it's like, oh, a, a woman in her 30s kind of makes a discovery. That seems like something, you know, quite normal. Whereas taking away that part of Pretty's identity is like taking away quite a lot. And it's just a bit like, mm, you could have at least cast someone a little bit older or I don't know, change the timing so that it kind of worked. I don't know. <laughs> Obviously they wouldn't do that, but it. I felt that, when you play around with ages and it, in the way that is that significant gap, you, when you're talking about real people, you are taking away a significant amount of their identity because a 30-year-old and a 50-year-old have very different experiences and they're perceived by people in very different ways. Mm. I think a, a woman in her 50s would have had a lot more gravitas and believability that she could stand up to the authorities and forge her own path. And, you know, 
she's a fabulous actor, Carrie Mulligan, but, you know, she's so tiny and pinched and sad looking and, and young and frail. <laughs> <laughs> she just do sad very well. She's always she sad. She does sad excellently, doesn't she? She apparently did look similar to Edith. That was, maybe that was the reason they cast her. Her face is similar. I heard when the film came out and I was like, oh, this sounds like a film that might be worth watching at some point, but I was never kind of drawn to it. So um, when he chose it, Liz, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll watch it. It sounds good. I'll, I'll get around to watching with a reason. And I genuinely quite enjoyed it. Um, I think I was kind of taken away with the whole romance of it and un- uncovering coins, which I can't name. And I, I really like Ray Fiennes in this. I thought he was a really kind of uh, endearing character and the relationship with his wife, I thought was quite interesting. And it seemed like it was trying to angle, I mean, this is perhaps going back to the age differences, but it seemed like it was trying to angle towards a potential romance between Pretty and, and Brown or some kind of more than kinship, but which might've made sense with uh, an older actor playing uh, Edith Pretty, but as a setup, as the setup was set up now, I was like, ah, it's not going to happen. I don't know what, I don't know where they're going at. Um, and to the extent that his wife in this seemed to think that, she, she, he might be angling at that, but also didn't think it was going to happen. There's, there's a weird kind of muddled bit there. But anyway, I like Ray Fiennes in this. I thought it was great. <laughs> that's my, that's my. <laughs> it seemed they were they there. were desperate to try and add like this kind of like fake dramas to everything and bring in more drama. Mm. And it was like, but the dig is the drama. Like you know that is the that is the things that were happening, and they could have sort of fleshed out that a little bit more to bring in the drama rather than like making up romances or trying to insinuate different romances were going on. It's like, it doesn't have, like, I'm guessing this film was probably sort of aimed at women and they probably went, oh, we need some romances in there to get people into No, like, yeah, you don't like, you you just need to develop your story and characters. You don't need to fudge in some kind of fake romance, especially when it's, you know, we can all Google and use Wikipedia and go, well, that didn't happen, did it? <laughs> I think one thing I thought was really interesting, and I, I didn't fact check this at all, is how close to the onset of, of World War II or England's, UK's involvement in World War II. But obviously we, we've seen how wars and uh, turmoils happened most recently with the war in Ukraine with Russia and seeing how that's kind of played out. I was really interested to see how they announced World War II happening. And I thought... I was like, holy shit, this is actually, it, it does give it a sense of like a time and a place. Um, did you guys check on, on the reality or fact behind that at all or how close it was? Or Oh, it was. I mean, it basically yeah. was asked two years before to start because it wasn't, you know, the time that he was looking at those mounds two years before, but yeah. it, they actually discovered it in 39, the main, um, the ship, you know, and, and, the, and the gold coin. Um, yeah. And then that's why they had to cover it up and put the... Um, treasures they found in the British Museum because because she sold them, to, well, she gave them to the British Museum, which is a very generous uh, gift. Um, mm. I think it's the biggest, I don't know if it still is, but it, I remember reading that it was the the, the most, the biggest gift from, from anything from a find in England. She could have made a lot of money out of it, but she didn't. But it, that was 39 and they, they hid them in the underground station during the war. So... I wish they yeah. could have played on things that a bit more, I'd have thought. They could have extended the story and made a bit more of a, of a, of a, a war film, which could have been interest to more people. Well, we had that um, fallen fighter pilot, didn't we? Um, yeah. And that, that kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know. Uh, is, is there anything else we want to say, guys, before we head to the scores? Well, I was just going to say that I I did enjoy it. And I actually, you know how 
movies so much these days are very fast paced. That you've mm. got to get to the action. You've got to you've got to you know go through the plot. You've got to get the characters. I kind of liked the deliberate slowness, and you know it sort of wallowed in its pace in a little bit because it had gorgeous cinematography of Suffolk, and there was a lot of sort of repression and dealing with all kinds of relationships, um, working relationships, family re- relationships, secret relationships. So obviously all the sort of things that they alluded to there between the, you know, the looks across the room or across the dig and things like that. Um, and I did think some of the subplots were a bit forced. I didn't think you needed all of that. And I did yeah. think it was a little bit long. And if they'd removed some of that subplot, I think it would have been like a perfect amount of of film length and it would have kept me hooked all the way through anyway. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, you know, <laughs> some of the lines were really funny. You know, when they, they were celebrating at the house and uh, CJ, I think his name is. Kevin Scott, isn't it? Yeah. He goes, uh, he says to Basil, he said, you know, it's got to be in the British Museum. It's got to be in the British Museum. You've got to persuade her. And Basil's like, you're asking me to persuade her. He said, do you want some lemon drizzle cake? <laughs> like, it's just so It's good. quite refreshing. It <laughs> is, it is. Oh, and I also want to mention what I think was a really beautiful scene. And we haven't mentioned the young boy who, who plays her son. Robert, yeah. Robert, who Liz told me today, he's actually an American actor. But I thought some of those um, scenes between him and Basil uh, were really beautifully done, where he clearly was looking for a father figure and looking, you know, to, to be told he's doing the right thing. And, you know, Basil surprisingly says, no, you're going to fail. We all fail. We all fail every day. And sometimes you just have to accept that there's failure. And I think, you know, when the three of them were together and they were looking at the stars and, you know, Basil had told the boy, you know, you got to kind of grow up and just show your mum that you can cope with all this. And I thought that was a really gorgeous scene where, you know, the young boy is explaining that in his fantasy, the queen is in the ship and she goes off to the stars, but then she turns around and eventually looks down and she sees her young boy as a, as a man who has coped with everything that she has left behind. And he's taking this really adult role in some ways to reassure his mother, who knows she's going to die soon. And I just thought that was a really nuanced really layered beautiful performance actually yeah and again i don't know if that's a real or a fabrication but that's the kind of story that's if it's a fabrication i quite appreciated because it's not the kind of stories we see uh you know in every single film like a forced romance story or a um or that kind of thing so that was i i really appreciated that as well and also there's the basil seemed to be appreciate obviously robert's time as well um there seems to be some unwritten reason why they didn't have a child uh, between his wife and those. So I think I think Basil did see upon him as like a, a youth he could at least impart knowledge on. Uh, Liz, you're going to say something? No, I was just saying I'm delighted that at least it's it's you know showing archaeology to a new generation or to, and or, or to yourselves. You wouldn't have watched it. You've learned a little bit more about archaeology. I think it's important that people do know about it. It it's not the most exciting subject. Lots of people think, but. Well, I mean, we forget that at the start of Jurassic Park, there's an archaeological dig uh, where they uncover a Velociraptor claw. So that's, I mean, it can be... <laughs> Things go differently in that film. But, uh, I mean, no spoilers, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's not used for good. 
Oh, I think there was one other thing I was going to say was that with with regard to that time in that sort of deliberately slow pace, I mm. felt a real sense of urgency when the RAF planes were flying overhead and you knew that they're going to have to try and get this dig really to a point before the war started because then all the manpower would be off at war and it would literally grind to a halt. And I think they portrayed that quite well as well, that they, you know, they wanted to get this through. And then, you know, there's Basil still doing his job and covering it with, with you know, foliage and then protecting it from the elements. So I, I think, you know, that was nice change of pace, actually. Nice, urgent call. Awesome. Well, uh, guys, let's head to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Liz, with your recommendability. Oh, that's a difficult one. Uh, I'd say four. Any particular reason why? Because it's it's not, you know, a, it's a, it's, it is, you know, a particular person would like to see it. I'm not saying it's, it's for everyone. Um, and as Michelle was saying, it is quite slow um, mm-hmm. and it's very enjoyable. But I'm probably a little bit biased, so I can't say that it is for everyone. And if, you know, if somebody paid good money to see it, they might be disappointed. So it's perfect for Netflix, you say. Well, we'll get onto the small screen score, perhaps that leads into it. Uh, Michelle, what your recommendability? Well, I would, I would give it a 3.5. And the reason I would give it that rather than a 4.5 is that I think it will only appeal to a certain part of the population. It might appeal to women in their 50s who run a podcast, for example. (laughs) (laughs) But it wouldn't necessarily appeal to my kids in their 20s because it's not fast paced. It's not got effects. It's not got like a lot of dynamism. But as Liz said, how nice it is that, you know, it's showing archaeology to potentially another generation. So 3.5 from me. Helen? I think this is a very, very solid three for me. I think... I would struggle to find people to recommend it to. And I think the length would probably be a little bit off-putting plus the the kind of subject, which I think is a shame because if it was maybe a little bit leaner and didn't have those weird age choices, I think it might tell its story a bit better. I think it's, it's, it's perfectly enjoyable to watch, but I think given everyone involved and sort of the historical significance, I was maybe expecting it to be a bit more, I don't know, something was missing for me, for me to go, I know this is kind of like a little bit obscure, but go for it. Whereas I'm a bit like, you know, it's fine. It's nice. Um, Kind of like Sunday afternoon-ish, if you kind of like the actors involved. (laughs) So yeah, Midsummer Murders and then all this. Um, I'm going to go for 3.8. mainly because I underestimated it based on the storyline when, when someone told it to me. So I'd probably give a bit more and say, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's probably better than you think it's going to be. <laughs> um, and I like everyone involved in it. 
the yeah, I said Lady James through to yeah, Karen Mulligan. It's a it's a it's a fun it's not a fun film, I was gonna say, but it it, it did have me engaged at the start because I knew nothing about it. I didn't know it was real until the end. I didn't I, I thought it was a fabricated kind of story that they put together. And I guess the one one bit that kind of pulls you in at the start is the fact when like Basil gets covered under the under the soil. Uh, I didn't manage to check if that got if that was a real thing that happened, but it did warn them. It did say about you know keep away from there's no supports yet it's dangerous um repeat viewing score liz i would have to say probably <laughs> three i'll be honest um that's not I'd bad watch, is it not bad though because no. i'd watch it again because i think i you know i'd learn more or you know remember what i'd studied a long time ago watching it the first yeah. time it, it brought back a lot of memories i'm not sure it's not one certainly straight away to watch i might watch it again but maybe in five years time somebody w- might watch it again that would be my choice. Michelle? Um, I agree, actually, with what Liz is saying. And for me, I've seen it a couple of times. I doubt I'll watch it again now. Um, I think I'd, I, I'm going to go for a 2.5. And that's not because I don't like the film. It's just that it's it's a long time out of your life to keep repeating. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time everyone's put it that way, and I like it. <laughs> It's two hours you won't get back. I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's perfectly encapsulated. <laughs> a rewatch well, of a film. about archaeology, of course, which is a long time, yeah, exactly. time scale. <laughs> Helen, they could have done some like. It's your second time watching it, right? Yeah, it, it is. I, I wasn't going to rewatch it because I probably saw it about a year ago, and then I thought, oh, can I remember it well enough? And I kind of put it on and I had it on in 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 the in the background, but I wasn't a hundred percent sort of honestly like paying attention. I was a bit like I probably could I would probably would have been all right. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it is a bit long, which I think is a shame. Um, so uh, I'll go for a two point five as well down the middle. Um, I'm gonna go a bit. I'm gonna go for one point eight. Um, I think I'm not sure when I'll watch it again. But what I would like to see is a documentary about about the uncoverings, about the dig. I think that be I'll be really quite interested in that. So that's what I'll probably go and, and research, and hopefully they can shed some light as to who was involved and their ages properly. <laughs> small screen score, Liz. Oh, in the sense I, I I don't think it's made for small screen. That is the problem. I haven't seen it on the big screen though. The point is I haven't seen it on the big screen, but just just seeing that that you know that the the, the there's the setting it, it, it just lends itself to be on a big screen sure um because you know the size of the ship is it wasn't really represented it's a big big ship um so for small screen 2.5 sure yeah. yeah i mean i had i mean and i think this is why the documentary will be quite interesting because i had no idea how big these mounds were they looked like small kind of hillocks and i was like well can you not just dig that out in a day what's what's wrong with you so um it would be good to get a size, an idea of the scale. I'm not sure it was, I'm not sure if it was, if I saw it on a cinema, I'm going to my school now, sorry. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on a cinema, we would have got a better idea of the, of the scale and size of things, but I think there's there's something there that they could have pulled out. I guess this is going back to the archaeology versus romance uh, side of things. So sorry, 2.5 was your score. Michelle? Couldn't agree more with the sense of scale. I mean, I know it was made for the small screen, but they didn't even put things around or um, Mm. it didn't give me a frame of reference for how big that boat was, that ship. And I wanted that. I wanted that kind of enormity. And I think it it was born for the big screen, not the small screen. And 
you know, being Netflix, it's obviously going to be a fairly small screen unless you've got a nice big projection room at home. So I'm going to go for a two. Helen? Yeah, I'm trying to remember whether this one was one that was meant to have a cinema release and then kind of didn't. Yeah, because, I mean, during lockdown, things just got shunted, even though they had a potential cinema release. So, yeah, I'm not sure there's a a straightforward answer to that. Because I probably would not have seen this at the cinema. It definitely wouldn't have been one I would have... Um, made the effort to go and see so I think for me that even though it did kind of have those it's obviously a a film that has been made to be kind of viewed as you would do with films I think it's fine for for watching on Netflix and I would even say that you know if you were ever on the fence about watching it because you can watch it at home then that that's something that is um something you can do with it being on Netflix. So I'm, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I, I think it, it works really well for the small screen, apart from the fact there was no frame of reference. And as we all know from archaeological dig pictures, you need to have like a 50 pence piece next to something. For or, re- or a big <laughs> like zoom out. Or, they could have got a, a big shot. And... Oh yeah, definitely. Like, or, or a car next to next to the mound or things like that. I mean, they had the, they had the huts, um, but it made it look... Yeah, it made it look like the mounds away. were actually quite small. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, it, 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 I'm not sure it does convey like the enormity of this uh, feat that happened. So I think it works quite well. Um, maybe a slight change in cinematography would have helped, but yeah, 4.5, I reckon, for me. Uh, engagement score, Liz? Well, I'm obviously biased, I think, uh, <laughs> with my background. So for me, I wouldn't have turned off... Uh, well, I'm, if I'm recommending for other people or I'm recommending for myself, for me, it's definitely a five because I once I knew what you know it was on, I'd have watched it. And that's it. But it, it yeah, so that's that's my. It, it 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 to me it was lovely. I I couldn't believe I'd not I'd not seen it before. That was the point. Believe it or not. Okay. Oh, is this your first time watching it? No, I'd seen it. As in, I, oh, sorry, I hadn't seen it. I'd seen it, but I hadn't seen it. You know, I only saw it a few months ago. Not mm-hmm. not you know at the very beginning when it came out. I don't know how I missed it. So when, when this was out, you know, asked, I was like, oh, fantastic. I know the film. <laughs> uh, Michelle? Um, I enjoyed it and uh, it kept me engaged all the way through. Uh, I liked the journey that I went on with it. I felt mm. fully engaged with it. I wanted to know uh, if Edith died. I wanted to know if they found the treasure. I wanted to know if any of these repressed feelings would be reciprocated and relationships would change. So yeah, I was engaged right to the end, actually. So I would give it, I'll give it a 4.5. Helen? I'm going to go a little bit lower. I, um, my impatience kind of took the better of me and I had to see if who was real and do a little bit of like so what was this dig where was this dig and this museum and thingy so I was doing a little bit of my own research to kind of fill in a little bit of the gaps which is obviously very naughty when you you should be giving films your full attention um so for that a 3.5 um I was gonna I'm gonna go for four I didn't know where it was gonna go at all um as a film so that kept me through and it always kind of depresses me I think there's a point you made there Michelle about was Edith gonna die not that you know, you're egging it for it to happen on screen, but also that's kind of the direction it was going. And for it to end just as a sub, as a as a nameplate, like Edith died X many years afterwards after donating to the British Museum. I always feel kind of slighted by that kind of ending to a film, so it's a bit annoying. But you know, it got me there through to the end. Uh, so that gives us an overall score of three point four four three seven five. It's all right. It's all right. 
Yeah, well, let's head over to Twitter. And uh, thank you guys, for first of all, to listening to the podcast. Uh, but do follow us on Twitter for as long as it exists. Um, we are at Pod, And good reason to follow us is because we obviously talk about Netflix films and films in general. But before going into record, we ask for your opinions and your thoughts. Uh, look out for a tweet saying something similar to this. We're reviewing The Dig with Liz and Michelle from at Chatting2, a.k.a. Two women chatting. Have you seen it? Tells your thoughts and a score out of five stars for an on-air shout-out on this here podcast. Uh, we had one response. Michelle, I think, do you, do you have it? Yeah, or? I've got it in front of me. Um, thanks to Lee Thomas, at Lee Thomas 5 who said, great production and performances, especially a low-key Rafe Fiends. The film is fine. Watch it on a Sunday afternoon after Columbo, which I think we all pretty much agreed with, didn't we? He's giving it a three star for the A plot and one star for the B plot that he's now got no memory of. <laughs> I did ask for clarification because I wasn't sure if it was a four star overall, but he clarified, no, an aggressively three star film. So he's <laughs> multiplying the stars rather than adding them together. Um, which is, yeah, sure, do what you want. Thank you very much, Lee, uh, a frequent contributor to this. Uh, Liz and Michelle, can you sign off by telling everyone where we can find you guys online? Remind us of your podcast and we'll say goodbye to everyone who's listening. Yeah, well, thanks for having us on. You can find us, uh, Two Women Chatting. We're on every pod- podcast platform that you can think of. You can find us on our website at www.twowomenchatting.com, on Instagram at, at Two Women Chatting, on Twitter at Chatting2. Follow us review us rate us we would love to have more listeners and uh, come join our community fantastic thank you very much guys thank you thanks for coming on bye 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 enjoyed this episode of flicks watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flicks pod on twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on instagram Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.